Rose! Rose! Why would you do that? Huh? I was almost there. Why would you stop me? I saved you. Tell me. That's how we're gonna win. Not fighting what we hate. Saving what we love. Welcome to the Wampa's Lair Podcast. Deep in the bowels of the frozen ice caverns of Hawk, our hosts, Carl LeClaire, Jason Hunt, and Katie Horn, discuss all things Star Wars. So join the conversation and hang out here in the Wampa's Lair. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another exciting episode of the Wampa's Lair podcast. This is episode number 368, Saving What We Love, part one. I'm, as always, your host, Jason Hunt, and with me, the incomparable Han Solo to my Chewbacca, we've got Carl LeClaire. Oh, thanks for that classic one. Love it. Yeah, well, I didn't think of anything until i started saying it so i was like oh let's i looked up and i saw han solo on my shelf so that's <laughs> <laughs> thank oh. god i've got all my star wars action figures everywhere <laughs> what about this beautiful anakin padme music for han and chewie would it work does it work does this work for them i don't know i don't, I don't know. know maybe not i feel like i feel like it's it doesn't quite capture them but yeah it's still beautiful right right <laughs> let us know what you think <laughs> I feel like this is what Chewie dreams. Like, this music is in Chewie's dreams somewhere. When he's dreaming Um, of his wife and and Lumpy, his son. Yes, yes. (laughs) Swinging through the forest of Kashyyyk. That's right, in those big Worsher trees. Yes, yes. (laughs) Boy, we can take a thought and just run with it, can't we? Sure Um, can, sure can. (laughs) So, I I am excited to do it. We're hopping into a a two-part episode here. Uh, obviously this week and next week and we are going to be talking about how we rank now that the star wars films the saga the skywalker saga has now come to its end we are obviously um taking a pause from live action star wars movies for a little bit um so now with these 11 films out we are going to talk about how we rank them and the way in which we're going to do this, this is not about an argument of like why we put them where we do or why you should agree with us or disagree with us, but it's just an opportunity to look back on all 11 live action films and talk about things about each of these movies that we love. And the way that we're going to be doing this so that you can play along at home is we are basically going to be responding to a couple of prompts that we've come up with. And for each movie, we're going to be looking at a major theme that we enjoy, a favorite moment from the movie, the character we most identify with from each movie, and then some sort of personal fun story attached to each movie. So that is the way we're going to do it. Um, This We're going to rank them for ourselves. Again, this is purely subjective. I'm sure all of you will have different rankings. Again, a reminder, this is not an invitation to critique our ranks, just like we are not going to critique yours. This is just an opportunity to talk about every single Star Wars movie in a very short way just by focusing on things that we love about each one because every Star Wars movie is a beloved Star Wars movie of ours. We just happen to like some more than the others. 
Yes, indeed. And you might be going, but wait, I thought they were going to read all of our responses about the rise of Skywalker <laughs> this week. You're right, we were, but we forgot to tell everybody about it last week, and we need more responses. So we're putting it off for a couple of weeks so that we can get more of your thoughts and get you more involved in that. So uh, if you still want to send in your thoughts and weigh in on our Larian reaction show to the rise of Skywalker – um, you still have a couple of weeks to formulate your thoughts and send those in, uh, but do that quickly so that we can get them all organized uh, and send those in to our email, which is wampuslairpodcast at gmail.com. Um, so, yes, we were. We were. You're right. And we will. Uh, and we will. <laughs> we just we just dropped the ball last week and forgot to tell everybody and remind everybody to do it. So um, we're giving you a few extra weeks. Right. But. Don't worry, you are still going to be heard at the top of this episode, as always, because we had a very exciting matchup from the end of last week's episode, where we put Din Djarin slash The Mandalorian against Enfys Nest, the star of Solo, A Star Wars Story. <laughs> and um, as always, you wonderful Larians had uh, plenty to say. Jason, what did they have to say about this epic matchup? First of all, I, I know you're not supposed to point this out, but I have to commend you, Carl, on that seamless segue. That was brilliant. I don't know um, that was. That, it's like we know what each other's thinking. Um, but anyways, <laughs> doing this for eight and a half years, that happens, I guess. Um, but back to our matchup. Um, we had quite a bit, and everybody had some really great points when they weighed in. But uh, in the end, it was not close. No, um, <laughs> and we suspected it probably wouldn't be, but we just were curious to see what would happen. Uh, in the end, we have 177 votes for Din Djarin, um, the Mandalorian, and 53 for Enfys Nest. Where do you come down on this one, Carl? You know, th for the first time ever, I really wanted to say it's a draw um, and leave it at that. Um, but I, then I always give people a hard time for doing that. <laughs> so I won't do <laughs> that it. Is true. Um, I believe, uh, I, oh my gosh, I'm trying to remember the Twitter, uh, the Twitter handle of the, the person who, who made this comment. I want to say it was like Matt something. So I apologize for not remembering, but he made the great point of, wow, what it'd be a great like team up of Din Djarin and Enfys Ness versus Cad Bane and Embo, which I see in our future. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, I'm going to say this. This is of all the matchups we've done in eight and a half years. I want to say that for me, this is the closest, but I do give the edge to Din Djarin. And the reason I give him the edge is because from a very young age, he was raised in this warrior culture. He was, you know, raised in the fighting pits, as we're told in the Mandalorian. And this guy just, he gets it done whatever way he has to. And while Enfys Nest obviously grew up in some sort of um, warrior culture as well, um, Enfys Nest also grew up to fight more so in in league with others, which I think is certainly a strong point of hers, to be fair. And a lot of folks made that point about, you know, if this was in any way uh, a team-up type matchup, Enfys Nest would win because of her ability to unite others. And I agree with that. But I think in a solo hand-to-hand -hand combat, I give the slight edge to Din Djarin. So I say I, I go with the, the majority here. But what do you think? Uh, by the way, that was at Mighty Mass on Thank Twitter. You. Thank you. Who gave you that. <laughs> Appreciate um, it. 
See, this is this is the world world we live in. We can record on the the computer and then look up things, look up tweets on the the phones while we while we record. Give you all the updated information. No, just kidding. Um, I I'm going to have to go with all of you who are unaware how the internet works. <laughs> right, right, exactly. Oh, which I'm surprised that you'd be able to listen to this if you don't understand how the internet works. But anyway, that being said. Off my tangent, I'm going to have to agree with the majority on this one as well. I'm going to say Din Dejaren, um is going to be the victor here. And not to say that he doesn't get his butt kicked you know, on a semi-regular basis in the show. Uh, but he always gets back up. And honestly, I, when it comes down to it, I think it's a fairly even fight. But when it comes down to it, I think the deciding factor for me in this is experience mm. and the Mandalorian's just older and has more experience. Um, and so I think when all is said and done, that will be the deciding factor. If we have Emphis nest and the Mandalorian go up against each other, Man- the emphasis is very skilled. She's very determined. She's, you know, charismatic enough to be leading this band of freedom fighters, um, she probably wins in that category <laughs> as charismatic, but um, I, she just doesn't quite have the experience, I think, to be able to draw upon when the chips get, you know, when you're down and, you know, you got to get back up and that sort of thing. So that's why I give it to Din Djarin, the Mandalorian, um, which gives us a final tally of 179. For Din Jaren and fifty-three for Emphis Nest. Sounds pretty close. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. So but awesome. we got a uh, a very intriguing poll for you at the end of the episode. Um so stick around for that. But Carl. Yeah. How are we moving forward here, buddy? Well, so as we said, we are going to be ranking the films. Um so this week, we're going to start with our numbers 10 through 6. And again, just talking about, you know, aspects from each film that we really love. Um, I put to, uh, I came up with a little worksheet where, you, you know, like my old teacher days, where you can fill <laughs> out each of these prompts yourself at home if you want. And I will share this. And props to uh, the president of our Star Wars club at where I work, um, Emily, who put together the worksheet for me because I'm very incompetent with computers. So luckily, Emily was hanging out in my office the other day. I said, hey, you want to do a project for the Wampus Lair? And of course, she was um, more than more than eager to say yes. Um, so <laughs> thanks to Emily for putting together the worksheet. Um, but again, we are going to be responding to, for each movie, uh, a major theme we like, one of our favorite moments, a character we identify with, and some sort of personal story attached to the movie. So, Jason, I'm going to start it off, if you don't mind. Yeah, yeah. So Now, we are, just to clarify, everybody, the Clone Wars movie is not counted in this list because that's more of a prequel oh, to sorry. the... <laughs> I'm a the jerk. TV I'm series. I just think it's terrible. So <laughs> I'd rather watch the Ewoks movies than that movie any day. Um, <laughs> I, I will say this the- though: I watched the holiday special for the first time this year with my buddy Mike, and nothing is worse than that. No, <laughs> it's terrible. It is horrific. Yeah, and we skipped half of it too. And <laughs> like he's like, "We're watching the good parts." I'm like, "How are these the good parts?" <laughs> oh. 
So anyway, yeah. but yes, we are focusing on just the the eleven live action movies. Yes, um, and since we are you know doing this as a top ten. That number eleven gets placed as an honorable honorable mention. So next week. yes, so we'll do that next yeah. week. But um, my number my number ten, and again, right. this is a, a just a quick prompt. Do this is not an invitation to judge or condemn, <laughs> but my number ten is a new hope. Um, and so to start with a new hope, I will say this. So. My to me, the, the one of the major themes of A New Hope that I really love is this theme that we can become more than we ever dreamed possible. Um, I absolutely love that message of this film. It's what launched this fairy tale in 1977 and obviously enamored, you know, millions of children and young adults and adults in the 1970s. And I think a lot of that is is wrapped up in this beautiful theme of we can become more than anything we ever dreamed of, um, which I want to immediately attach to my favorite moment in A New Hope, which is that, you know, iconic uh, Luke staring at the twin sunset, right? It's this beautiful moment where this character who is, you know, feeling a bit trapped in the mundanity of life. I don't think mundanity is a word. Where's Greg when I need him? Um, I, think, I think that's a word. All right. Well, I'm sure Greg will let me know. Um, but uh, I'll Google it for you. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> um, but in just kind of the, you know, the everyday drudgery of, you know, life, there is this this young character who just longs for so much more out of their life. So as Luke is staring at those twin sons, you know, I feel a profound connection to that desire to dream for so much more, um, knowing that there's so much more out there for you, you know, and this is a yeah. classic tale of, um, you know, a character that this is literally a, a, a George Lucas telling the same tale again that he told in American Graffiti. Um, right. That's kind of the central message of his very first movie, which is, um, you know, being able to be free of, uh, you know, that small town life. So that's what we're getting here in this, this iconic moment. Um, and then I would also say that, um, the character obviously to continue with this theme that I identify most with in a new hope is Luke. Um, and specifically, again, that that desire to become more than who I am right now. Um, again, that's just such a powerful message of A New Hope is no matter where you are right now, if you're feeling a little bit stuck or you're feeling like everything's a little bit blasé, there is something more to life than where you are right now that you can grow beyond where you are right now. So that that very instinctual desire that rests in this, the character of Luke Skywalker is something uh, I strongly identify with in this movie. Um, and then just the personal story to almost kind of make sense of why this is, you know, lower ranked for me in the star Wars films is the reality that this is the last of the original trilogy movies I saw when I was growing up. Um, I had seen empire strikes back and return of the Jedi dozens of times before I finally saw a new hope for the first time. And I just didn't particularly love it. I I didn't dislike it, but I was like, eh, that one's fine. It's kind of boring. Not my favorite. And that kind of mentality has just always stayed with me. Uh, You know, I have tremendous, obviously tremendous respect for this movie. It's what launched the entire franchise. 
Um, it's just not my favorite. Um, like, and I equate that to like something like the Beatles. I've never been a Beatles fan. I don't particularly enjoy Beatles music, but I have profound respect for what they did for, you know, pop music. Um, and that's how I feel about a new hope. I thank God for a new hope. Thank God George Lucas gave us this movie. It's just not my favorite. Yes. So, um, but those are the things that I love most about that movie. Um, but what is your number 10, Jason? All right. Well, first of all, mundanity is a word. It is yes. the condition or quality of being mundane. All right, Craig, so, don't there you go. Craig, you don't have to respond now. Thank you. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Although he's probably already sent out the tweet um, <laughs> by the time he listens to this. Anyways, um, my number 10, uh, and I will just clarify for the record, 10 through 7 could probably fluctuate on any given week. Uh, but this is what I've got for now. Um, but right now, number 10 is The Last Jedi. Um, the the theme that I love from this movie is learning from failure. Mm. Um, and, and boy, do a lot of our characters fail in this movie. You know, Luke is wallowing in a previous failure that he has to learn to move through. Ray fails when she goes to try and, um, you know, uh, convert Ben, uh, right, right then. Um, Poe fails right at the beginning of the, of the movie in, uh, safeguarding his, uh, his fleet, his, his bombers. Um, and, there's there's so many of that, but then everyone has to learn and move forward and and take that lesson and try to make it better next time. And so that's that's the theme that I think is is very powerful in this. And of course, it's all clarified when Yoda tells Luke flat out, you know, the greatest teacher failure is, you know, it's like it, it's right there. There's your fortune cookie for The Last Jedi, if you're using a Clone Wars term. Um <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that would have that would have been the fortune cookie if this was a Clone Wars episode. Um, but I, there there's so much of that um, in this movie. And my favorite moment is kind of linked to that, as you were saying, with with uh, A New Hope. Um, and that's when Luke goes out to confront the First Order. He's, you know, force projecting him, astral projecting himself out there. And he does that and he's able to reenter the galaxy and the conflict at large. And he does one of the most amazing things we've ever seen a Jedi do period. Uh, it's just absolutely, uh, I think it's a breathtaking scene just to watch, but the power behind it with, in terms of the character and then what he's doing for Leia and for the resistance and for Kylo and everything else around that is also just immensely thick with purpose. Um, and and you know as as Ray says he goes out with peace and purpose. So, uh, oh, thank you so much. What? Uh, I'm just gonna listen for a sec, guys. <laughs> That 
I can easily tie two of my favorite moments from this movie in with their soundtrack. And it's very similar sounds, this and the Holdo Maneuver. Yeah. Um, the, the music for those sequences are amazing, and the music kind of really solidifies those as epic, awesome moments for me. But anyways, um, so that's my favorite moment. Uh, the character, though, that I, I really identify with most in The Last Jedi, which shouldn't be too surprising, is Rey. Uh, as she tries to really find her way in all of this. And I have, at many points in my life, whether, you know, it's, you know, currently now trying to figure out how to, you know, change into the career field that I really want to in a full-time basis or whether it was, you know, starting in college or, you know, getting a new job um, at a previous place of employment or something like that. You know, you, you always kind of are feeling your way out and trying to find your place, find what you're good at. And this is a reoccurring thing that happens to us in life. And I just happen to have just gone through kind of something similar to that. So that's really kind of what, what, links me to The Last Jedi at this point. Um, as far as a personal story, uh, I don't know. I don't really have like anything super impactful about The Last Jedi. Honestly, I think the most interesting story that I have regarding to The Last Jedi is when we were at um, Celebration Orlando um, in the lead up to The Last Jedi and we got to go out and stand in front of the the celebration stage with you know three thousand of our closest friends in very close proximity um and and watch the panel from the celebration stage and all that fun stuff and i haven't I haven't had like any super impactful stories or memorable stories revolving this movie at this point um but hopefully that'll change so but that one that one i I definitely remember I will never forget. Because that was like the first panel I watched from the celebration stage. And just, you know, standing out there and then all of a sudden, as it's about to start, this family starts moving through the the crowd. And I thought they were moving past me. And then the big tall guy just stopped right in front of me. Yeah, that guy was a pain in the butt. And I remember just he stopped right in front of me. And I just remember slowly turning around to look at you going. Uh, I kicked him in the knee twice. I don't care. He was a jerk. <laughs> that guy was like so obnoxious. We'd been there for an hour and he just come and came and stood right in front of us. He was a bald guy in an Obi-Wan costume. I'll never forget him. And even his wife was embarrassed by him because of how rude he was. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah he was a jerk. I don't care. I'm not going to. Not even ashamed of saying that he was a jerk. We don't know his name, so he's yeah. He's, he's lucky I don't know his name. <laughs> so all right, but yeah. So that's that's the most memorable story I have for that. Uh, that's my yeah. number ten. That's uh, that's my number nine. So perfect well, there you go. segue. Yeah. Um. So that's I, I love the theme that you brought up, Jason, about that of failure, and I, that's obviously a central theme. But the theme that I that I connect with most strongly in Last Jedi that I really enjoy is the theme of being disappointed by the people you think you need. Um, And, you know, that's such a huge part of this movie for both Kylo and Rey, who are really the stars of the sequel trilogy, right? I mean, this is their story in so much as the originals was the story of Luke and Vader and the prequels was Anakin and Padme. Um, This is the story of Kylo and Rey and both of them, deal with this profound disappointment from the people that they look up to and expect to help elevate them in life. You know, Kylo at the very beginning is belittled by Snoke 
And Ray shows up on Octo believing that she's done the right thing. She's accepted that this is her journey moving forward. And Luke rejects it, right? Throws that lightsaber away and refuses pretty staunchly in training her. And, you know, I think that's a really hard message, right? It, that was something Ryan Johnson conveyed even before the movie came out, right? The This theme of, you know, being disappointed when we meet our heroes, um, more so with the reality that our, all of our heroes are human and therefore are flawed. Um, and this was obviously a central theme of this movie that didn't sit well with a lot of people. And, you know, initially it didn't sit well with me, but I have nothing but profound respect for what Ryan Johnson gave us in Last Jedi. Um, and and while it's it's obviously not my favorite of the the sequel trilogy, um, I think it's the most original. Still, I think it's far more original than Rise of Skywalker or Force Awakens. <laughs> you know, and and and, <laughs> and 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 I love that theme of you know, being disappointed by what we think we need. And, you know, that was the reality for a lot of us watching that movie is we, we had high expectations for it and it wasn't what we, what we wanted, but in a way it's what we needed. Um, Mm. so I really liked that theme of, of that. Um, and, uh, to just skip into the character I identify with because it's connected to this theme is kind of like you, it's Ray. And, um, you know, Ray thinks when she shows up on Octo that she's again in this place where she's supposed to be. She thinks she's found the one who's going to bring her journey forward and, and help bring it to its completion. And she's disappointed by that. She's disappointed by who she meets in the, you know, the crippled failure and shame of Luke Skywalker. Um, so, you know, I, I, I really get that. I really get that feeling that Ray has of being disappointed by the people that you think you need. Um, and, uh, so for me, there are a lot of great moments in this movie, but the one that, uh, you know, it's just universally my favorite is the Praetorian fight just cause, Mm. uh, the Praetorian fight is easily number two or three on my list of favorite Star Wars fights. Um, <laughs> Duel, Duel of the Fates will at this point forever be number one. I just think it's so darn good. Um, but I, I put this on a like any given day of whether I prefer this fight or the, the Kessel shootout more um, for action sequences because <laughs> obviously it's my boy Han. But, uh, yeah. but the Praetorian fight is just so good. And it's so good because, again, it's a, it's a reminder of this theme of being disappointed. So Ray, in that moment, believes that Ben has returned. Ben has saved her and now he's going to save the fleet. In the same way that I think Kylo thinks that Ray will stand with him and rule the galaxy. So they're both about to be very disappointed in one another. Um, so, and, and it has, to me, the most powerful um, acting dialogue in all of Star Wars, I think. And this is, to me, what will forever be the shining uh, perfection that is the sequel trilogy is the acting. You know, if if there was one thing that didn't quite pan out with the prequels, it's it's the acting. It's the wooden kind of bad script writing and hollow acting. The sequels more than made up for that. It's incredible writing with incredible acting. And I just want to play this quick clip because I absolutely love this scene so freaking much. We can rule together and bring a new order to the galaxy. Don't do this, Ben. Please don't go this way. No, no, you're still holding on! Let go! 
you want to know the- uh, I love that so much. Adam Driver is brilliant. Um, but yeah, you know, it's it's just this this moment of, you know, like Ray really thinks she got through to him, but she didn't. And that sucks. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Um so and, and just to to close out uh, a personal story for me with um Last Jedi is the reality that when this movie came out, it came out two weeks after um, my last partner broke up with me (laughs) and I was in like the saddest state of my life up until that point. Um, I mean, I thought, I thought that that person was the one I thought it was my person that I was going to spend my life with. And I was wrong. And what's so funny is, is that's such a, in a very odd way, that's kind of a message of Last Jedi that I just didn't want to see. <laughs> you know, I wanted to see a message that everything's going to be okay. But the beauty is, is that Last Jedi also saw that experience in life of saying, you know what? Like, sometimes we do think we've, we've found the right person in our life, whether it's a romantic thing or a professional engagement, whatever it might be. And sometimes it's just not. And that disappointment sucks. <laughs> and it does. So that, and, you know, and I think in some ways that forever tainted my experience of last year. I mean, I was I was a very, very, very um, negative person about that movie for the first few months it was out. And, and a lot of that stemmed from just my own personal heartbreak in those few months. Um, but, you know, what's funny is with hindsight, looking back, it's like, wow, that movie really highlighted what I was experiencing in life and the reality of sometimes people you really think you need disappoint you and it's not what you need. What you need is yourself. So, and that's what Ray comes to learn. And that was something you didn't want to hear at the time. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, So, so yeah, that's my, that's, that's my next one is, is last Jedi. So what is your number nine? My number nine. Well, we're trading spaces here. Uh, Mine's a new hope. Oh, um, nice. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, and the major theme that I, I have in A New Hope, and I didn't just want to put it in hope because that's kind of blatantly obvious with the title, um, but the, I, I, I made it a little bit more specific and I said that the major theme that I pick out of this is believing in hope, mm. is acting on hope. Um, and and that's something that the, the rebels – the you know Leia and and the Rebel Alliance are having to do because they don't have anything else. They they just have this hope that maybe if the, if everything falls in the right place, they're going to get out of this mess. Um, and then Luke waltzes right into this, not having any concept that hope is nothing but a reality, and just sort of helps to make it happen. Um, you know he is the new hope that is you know mentioned in the title. So. Um, it is believing in hope and being able to act on that hope, even when it looks dire. Um, and, uh, and that's a really, you know, good, uh, good theme in my opinion. Now, now the, the problem is when people wait for hope to happen (laughs) and you get paralyzed by hope, there's a difference between believing in hope and acting on a hope. Rather than being paralyzed by hope because you're waiting for something to happen to you. So I want to clarify that um, because I think this this is definitely the former. Um, and because of that, my favorite character in this movie is Luke. The one I identify with most is Luke. And 
and I identify with Luke in, in a lot of ways, um, mostly because in some cases I am also a naive, naive idealistic farm boy, just by nature. Um, I, <laughs> I, <laughs> Luke Skywalker is a very accurate reflection of Jason. Um, it, <laughs> That, that there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Uh, Luke Skywalker is a very accurate reflection, uh, especially in A New Hope. So <laughs> the, I, I like to think I've I've grown and developed like Luke does throughout the rest of the original trilogy, and I'm not quite that, you know, <laughs> obtuse uh, <laughs> and and <laughs> ignorant as as he is in that movie uh, anymore. Well, but should say naive as opposed to naive. Ignorant, yeah, right? naive. Like, let's not be so not, harsh. <laughs> not yeah, not 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 ignorant. Naive. That's a better word. That you know. So uh, I like to think I've, I've I've grown past that a little bit, but especially you know earlier on, I was. I was like looking in a mirror. Um, so <laughs> it Luke is is kind of my one to one character uh, in Star Wars. If if I had to pick one, um, but my favorite moment in this movie, uh, because the one reason why it ended up being so low on my list, like you, I loved this movie growing up. I loved it. It was fantastic, and I'll get into my story about you know about that why in a minute. Um, but it ended up just being one of the slower moving ones of the star Wars movies, especially as a kid. And I'm like, Oh, n- you know, empires got more action and more drama. Return of the Jedi is just chock full of fun action and, and craziness, which is awesome. And then the prequels happened and I just exploded. Um, <laughs> so it just sort of sat down on my list and just never left that I- initial spot. So, you know, <laughs> um, and, and, uh, but my favorite part of this movie is the end space battle above the Death Star. Mm. I love that space battle. It is fantastic. It's amazing. Um, and I, it is it is just terrific. And the music for that, again, music really kind of helps solidify my favorite moments. Um, as you probably see throughout my list, thank you, Carl, um, is just terrific. So it, it really helps tell the story in where it hits the hard points and then when it cuts out and then when it comes back in and all that stuff. And it, it's just terrific. So the whole sequence is just perfect. Um, and I'm talking specifically from the special edition version because that's the one I grew up with. So, um, And I know there's there were more stuff added to the space battle at the end uh, in the special editions than were in the original. So there you have it. Now, personal story time. Um... Uh, I will never forget the first time I saw this movie. Um, walking into the movie theater, uh, it was probably, I think I've said before, like the third movie I ever saw in the theater. Uh, Lion King and Toy Story being the other two. <laughs> um, but I just remember being surprised because there was a huge line for this movie to get into the theater going, why do we have to wait in line to see a movie? You know, I didn't understand that. And then, it all started. The lights went dim, you know, a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, though at seven, I call it galactic sea. Um, <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> and then it just happened. And my 
parents will never forget looking over as the Star Destroyer is flying over the camera at that opening shot, looking over at me and watching my life change in front of their eyes. Um, so <laughs> my, my imagination grew exponentially that day and what I thought was possible um, just got completely exploded and the impossible became possible and it just transformed the size and scope of my imagination and my my thought process from the first note so uh i will never forget that i will never forget seeing it for the first time um I imagine that's the that's the very very real truth for everyone who grew up in the seventies, right? Right. Which, which is and not ex- us to remind right. people, <laughs> but uh, yes. yeah, I've, that happened for me in ninety seven, right? Not seventy seven, ninety seven. So don't forget, people. There's people like me out there who who love those special editions like they're the gospel. Um, <laughs> so. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That's my number nine. <laughs> Love, it. Love it. Um. Well, my my number eight is uh, Rogue One, mm. and uh, Rogue One is something that, it, and this is the interesting thing with any of the the Disney films. In all honesty, is is as I live as I live into them over the you know years, they you know, just tend to settle into different spots on my list. So might as well just say it right now. Uh, Force Awakens is is number 11. It's my lowest uh, ranked Star Wars film. And I'm not going to go into particular details. It, I love it. It's a lot of fun. Um, but it's so funny because when it came out in 2015, I had it like number four or three on my list. But now it's last. <laughs> so and again, it's not to say that I dislike it or think it's bad. Um, and, and for the sense that it's technically an honorable mention, I'm not going to go into details about it. But as much as I love it, it's it's at the bottom. Um, and the same was kind of true of Rogue One is after I'd seen it initially in the theaters, it was also very high ranked. But now with over time, it's it's settled down to number eight. Um, and again, like I said at the top of the show, I love all of these movies. Um, yeah. So it's not to say that I dislike it. And and for me, the way I put my rankings together, honestly, the, the main criteria was which ones do I watch the most? You know, when I'm sitting at home and that's the, that's to me like a huge part of what my favorite Star Wars movies are is obviously when they're in theaters, I see them as much as I can because that's always a limited window. Um, but it's the home release is huge is how much do I watch these when I'm at home and Rogue One, I just I rarely watch um, not because I don't like it. I just don't watch it that much. And same is true of Last Jedi or A New Hope for that matter. Um, but that being said. Um, to me, one of the major themes of Rogue One that I that I love so much is this theme of fighting for an unseen future, trusting that someone or something or some force is listening. Um, I love that. You know, Rogue One, I, I think for the majority of Rogue One fans, I guess we'd have to ask Jim Urso what he thinks because this is like his baby. But um mm. Rogue One's final act, act three, if you will, the last third of the movie, everyone I think agrees is just so damn good. <laughs> um, yeah. And uh, and I think that's really where this this theme comes to its head, where, you know, every one of our main characters from Jin to Cassian to Baze and Chirrut to, um, oh my gosh, why am I blanking on uh, uh, 
Bodie Rook. Bodie, <laughs> um, oh my God. I was, Bodie. I was going to say the actor's name instead. Yeah. And I was like, that's not it. That's but, not it. So, right. But all of them are about to give their lives for a future. They're never going to see. Yeah. But they trust that something bigger is working through their selfless acts. And I just absolutely love that. Um, I think it's profoundly impactful on a personal, personal note of just, you know, continuing to fight the good fight, if you will, even if I don't see the end results. Um, and, and I mean, in a very realistic way, I always think of this as the battle to pre- preserve our environment, which some people don't seem to think is a very big deal, but sadly are mistaken. <laughs> um, I'd like to think that my grandkids, if I ever have any, um, will be able to live on an earth that is actually life-giving rather than that one is polluted, which we are on the path to continually doing. Um, but that's something like that I think that Rogue One reminds us of is just because you don't see the impact doesn't mean you don't have one. And I think that's a message our world is in dire need of today is we only think as far as our nose can go. Um, totally ignorant to future consequences. And Rogue One is a reminder that what we do now impacts the future. And that's important. And all of these characters give their lives for a future they're not even going to be able to live into. But they're giving it in hopes that those who do live in that future will have a better future. And I love that theme so much. Um, yeah. The character I most identify with in Rogue One is Jin. Um, and mainly because she is a character who's looking for a new home and family, right? Uh, the beginning of this movie, that, that great prologue, if you will, of the movie where we see, um, you know, Lyra killed and her father abducted, you know, poor Jin is spending the rest of her life searching for a new home because her home is ripped away from her, which again is a common theme in star Wars. I mean, that happens to Luke in a new hope. Um, so she is a character who's, who's seeking belonging, seeking a family, seeking a home. And we get that beautiful moment right before they make the decision to leave for Scarif where Jin says to Cassian, I'm not used to people sticking around when things go bad. And Cassian just says, welcome home. Oh, I love that moment. So freaking much. That it's good. That being said, it's not my favorite moment. Um, it's up there though. I do love that moment so much because this is a character who finds her home again. Um, but my favorite moment in rogue one and, and this is, I'm, I'm pulling a Jason here because it's not a specific moment. It's, it's longer than that, but I'm just titling it. Um, your father would be proud. And it's just kind of that, that those final, like five minutes of the movie where, you know, Jin and Cassian send that message to the fleet. Jin hope, I, in my opinion, when she, her question, do you think anyone's listening? Or no, no, that's not her question. It's Cassian's. Cassian's yeah. asking, though, with a hint of hope. There's not a pessimism to that question. No. It's a hopeful question. Do you think someone's listening? And Jin's responsive, someone's out there. Someone's listening. And and again, this is my interpretation of her her statement, but to me, it's like she believes in something called the Force, right? That's something Lyra instilled in her as a child, is that there is this thing, the Force, that we should trust in. And in this moment, Jin trusts in it, and that trust boils over to Cassian, and then they have that beautiful moment in the elevator, which to me is still non-romantic, and that's what makes it so damn beautiful. Um, not all relationships have to be romantic to be beautiful, 
Um, mm-hmm. And it's just so wonderful. And then, you know, they have just given their whole lives for this future that they won't see, but they know they've done the right thing. And it's just so beautiful. And obviously this this score by Michael Giac- Giacchino is... <sighs> I, I can't I am, say enough. I'm lost in the music right now. I am utterly lost in the music, and I'm getting chills up and down my spine just listening to the music and listening to you talk. And I need to listen to that soundtrack tonight. Um, <laughs> <It's>, sorry, <laughs> no, don't be. It's beautiful. I put it on on purpose. So, oh. uh, let's give this a moment, please. I keep that going i'm gonna be in tears <laughs> so it's right just, oh. it's so beautiful so beautiful but um yeah gosh i love rogue mm. one so much um and the, the the fun story that it will always be attached to this movie for me is uh you know a, a close second to the your father would be proud moment is the shootout between cassian and krennic in the uh the data tower there i can't tell you how many times when um the uh the master switch track comes on when i'm listening to the score then i hop onto my apartment stairs banister and just pretend that i'm shooting at krennic from the data (laughs) from the data tower i just i love it i love that a movie at 30 you know in my 30 in my 30s just makes me hop onto the banister in my apartment grab my cassian nerf gun and just pretend that krennic's at the top of the stairs i should i should really have my friend ben ben over because ben is a huge krennic fan and make ben stand at the top of my stairs so to recreate the scene yes yes so. you should and we need pictures <laughs> yeah. um <laughs> oh. oh man but, yeah so, that's awesome yes yeah, so that's oh. that's that is my rogue one take so what is your number eight jason man if 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 that's your rogue one take that's pow- and, and it's that powerful i can't imagine what you know, everything above eight is going to be. Um, <laughs> well, I love some um, things for different th- different reasons. So, all well, right, yeah. that's the that's the thing. And my number eight um, is going to be the Force Awakens. Nice. Um, and and the the theme from this movie is belief in oneself, um, because we have you know obviously Ray is the focus of all this in the movie, and she doesn't believe she's worth anything. She doesn't believe she's important um, and can really make the impact that everyone else sees her making. Uh, but the other one that really gets this treatment is Finn. Mm-hmm. Um, and because he's a stormtrooper or was a stormtrooper and now he has to completely re- reevaluate who he is and has to believe in who he is as a person rather than a label um, and figure out who he is and what he is moving forward. Um, and so those two characters really highlight the theme of, of belief in oneself and, and coming to the point where it's okay to believe in yourself. You know, obviously 
have some friends who can, you know, humble you if you get too high and mighty. But seriously, you know, if you're just going to, you know, keep shoveling sand over the top of your head, that's not good either. Um, the uh, favorite moment I have in this um, has nothing to do with that theme, however, <laughs> <That's fine>. whatsoever. <laughs> um, and this should come as no surprise to any. Uh, I will just quote Han Solo. It's the resistance. <laughs> I, I, I love that moment so much. The as the X-wings skim over the lake. Thank you. This is my favorite piece of music in all of the sequel trilogy. Oh. Now we are dueling air conducting over here folks just in <laughs> case you're wondering um so uh, it's so good john williams could write a march better than anybody in the world um it, it's just the the fact that that it's such a amazing scene with awesome visuals and fantastic music which is you know a, <laughs> what i'm here for when i go see a star wars movie i love all the you know impactful deep storytelling and the subtext and the force and everything like that but give me a fun action scene with amazing visuals and some killer music and everything else is gravy you know (laughs) (laughs) i'm not gonna lie there's some very superficial reasons i love star wars that's one of them there's other deeper reasons why i love star wars too but oh anyway the character I most identify with in uh, The Force Awakens, and, I, and I'm kind of back and forth on this because there's two, I think. There's Rey because I think, you know, as is what she's supposed to be, she is sort of the every character, the every man kind of character in this movie as we follow along. And she's very similar to Luke in A New Hope, and I already told you, very accurate reflection of me. Um, however, uh, in, in other parts of my life um i kind of relate to bb8 a bit more because (laughs) all he's out there doing is trying to help his friends and get everyone and and try to 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 keep everyone okay um i don't know you know it's you kind of have to read between the lines a little bit with that but i i'm i'm definitely the one uh in in my various friend groups who's always trying to, you know, help make sure everyone else is good. <laughs> it's like, like you good, you got it. You've got everything you need. Excellent. Okay, cool. And then I focus on me. Um, so I don't know. There, there's at different points in my life, you know, I, I relate more to Ray or weirdly BB eight. So there you have it. Um, the story to go along with this um, is, uh, you know, after Force Awakens came out, and we got to—I can't remember—was the uh, the Star Wars Space Mountain that was after Force Awakens, right? Yes, yes, the Star Wars version of of Space Mountain, the roller coaster at Disney. Asking the I wrong, believe came asking the wrong person. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yes. No. I. It is. It is because I went. I went to Disneyland with 
uh, Kyle Baca and Joey um, the following year for Kyle's birthday. Uh, and, and we got to ride the Star Wars version of Space Mountain. And, it, you know, it had the the resistance, uh, you know, overlay on all the screens and stuff. And, it, you know, X-Wings and TIE Fighters flying over the place. We rode that ride three or four times uh, just to, you know, get the full experience. It was amazing. It's a really fun ride. And I'd love it. I'd love to ride it again. But, yeah, I just... It, it it connected me back to, you know, my favorite scene in this movie. And I'm like, yes, X-Wings. I always thought it'd be fun to fly a Starfighter. But <laughs> I kind of got to do that a little bit with the roller coaster. Nice. But yeah. There you go. That's, uh, that's my number eight, uh, Force Awakens. So. Love it. Love it. We're at number seven, Carl. Number seven. For me, my number seven is Revenge of the Sith. Um. And uh, lots of great stuff about this movie. Um, to me, one of the, the major themes of the movie that I really, really enjoy, um, maybe not enjoy, but appreciate, <laughs> is uh, the fear of losing what you love and clinging to that can be dangerous. Um, so, right, that is, that is, this is the story of the fall of Anakin. At the end of the yeah. day, Revenge of the Sith is that story specifically. And it's the movie where we're where we we knew we were finally going to learn what created Darth Vader, and I have forever loved the the reason for the creation of Darth Vader because of Revenge of the Sith. Now I still would I still would contend that it, it wasn't executed brilliantly because of again of some of the flaws in the script and the acting. Um, and this is not me belittling that or about to go on that revenge of the Sith would probably be ranked a lot higher if this stuff was a little stronger and the CGI was a little less. <laughs> um, but, uh, but I love that theme of how, when we fear losing something so much that we cling to it and that becomes dangerous. Um, and weirdly enough, that's why I identify most with the character of Anakin in this movie. Um, and, you know, he, the way he clings to, Pal, to Palpatine, to Padme, is very selfish. Um, he loves her insofar as that he needs her. It's, it's his need first, her second. And that selfishness, that selfish love, that power, can't, you know, love can't save you, only my new powers can do that. Um, is ultimately what destroys them. The reason that their relationship and lives fall apart is because of Anakin's inordinate attachment to her. Attachments in and of themselves are not evil. And that's something the Jedi obviously are going to be humbled to learn in the prequel trilogy. But attachments are a good thing insofar as we give them the freedom to grow. And Anakin doesn't allow that. Anakin is so obsessed with clinging to what he needs that he smothers it, literally chokes it out. I mean, like he does at the end of the movie. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's a very powerful message um, for anybody that, you know, when you you need something so much that you cling to it, you inevitably kill it. <laughs> um, you know, you've got to give things their space to grow, especially if you love something or someone you know you've got to give them the freedom to grow um and anakin is incapable of that because of his own um you know feelings of 
whatever, <laughs> um, feelings of needing to be in control. Um, now all that being said, uh, my favorite moment from rise of, from rise of from revenge of the Sith will forever be something that's not directly attached to any of this stuff, but is it's that moment at the end of the movie between Anakin and Obi-Wan, where we really get to see in, oh. in full light, the tragedy that is revenge of the Sith. You were the chosen one. It was said that you would destroy the Sith, not join them. Bring balance to the Force, not leave it in darkness. I just oh, that scene is just so so good, and it, and as for much as I say that the acting is you know isn't hundred percent great in this movie, mostly because of Hayden and Natalie. <laughs> um, this is a moment though. I mean, granted, all he has to scream is "I hate you," but Hayden Hayden Christensen does a phenomenal job of of acting those particular scenes of Anakin's anguish and anger, um, and this is the pinnacle of that. And and I think that. You know, I mean, this is this is that moment that Star Wars fans, especially from the original era, had been waiting, you know, 20 years to see is what happened between Anakin and Obi-Wan. How did Vader become Vader? And it's in this scene that we see the sad tragedy that is the prequel trilogy that you have these two characters that do that had really loved each other fell apart because um, one of them was just really selfish and the other was unwilling to address the real issues. Um, and that's the tragedy that is the prequels. It's it just so beautifully yeah. captured in that moment. Um, so, yeah. Uh, and then a, a personal story for Revenge of the Sith is that specific scene was the first time I ever cried watching a Star Wars movie. Um, I mean, I guess that, that kind of makes sense. I mean, I was a kid. When I saw the special editions, um, I was very young when Phantom Menace came out. I was still relatively young with Attack of the Clones. Revenge of the Sith, I mean, I remember seeing it. Um, it was the first midnight screening of a Star Wars movie I ever saw. I went with my two cousins that got me into Star Wars. We went at midnight. And, um, you know, I think part of it was just the at the time we thought it was the last Star Wars movie. So you have that emotion weighing on you, plus this mm-hmm. beautiful, tragic scene. And in that moment was the first time I ever cried <laughs> during Star Wars. Um, and I think it was a pretty apt reason to to shed my first tears watching Star Wars. So um, <laughs> fair enough. Yeah. So um, but yeah. what what falls to number seven for you? All right. Well, uh, number seven for me is The Empire Strikes Back. Um there's there's some great stuff in this movie. Uh, the the you theme don't say. that what you don't say. <laughs> I oh, but I do. Um, uh, <laughs> and I know I will not have any objections on this podcast to that statement. Um, nope. <laughs> the the theme that I picked out of this one though is the theme of perseverance, mm. because you know, to be fair, you've got it on both sides. You know, the, the Vader is, you know, persistently pursuing Luke, 
Han and Leia. And the, the persistence and the perseverance he has to keep following them and chasing them down is commendable, um, if not frightening. Um, but on the other side, the perseverance of our heroes in the face of everything going sideways to keep you know, working together, trying to find a way – to to get out of the mess to live and to fight another day uh and and all that stuff is is just you know it's it's a subtler message i think but one that i pick up on and one that i i really identify with is you know sometimes everything just looks like crap and you just got to keep pushing through and you know sometimes you're not going to be able to to fix everything right away you know, Han gets trapped in carbonite and it takes a whole new movie to get him back. Uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> what, a, what, a, what a great analysis of that, that, in, that, right. that reality, <laughs> you know, it, <laughs> so, um, but yeah, it, it's one of those things where, where perseverance and being able to, to stick to not only your principles, but to your, your friends and to, uh, your, your cause in the face of, adversity is is commendable and and definitely something to um strive for uh favorite character i identify with in empire is not surprising luke um not only in his search for knowledge and trying to grow in the ways of the jedi and and train and things like that but more specifically when he gets the vision of his friend suffering and he leaves Dagobah um, and thinking you're ready for something when you're not uh, you know we all have these moments where you know we think oh I'm ready for this I can do this and then for whatever reason life and circumstances prevent you from getting that point and then somewhere down the road you end up getting to where you thought you should have been years ago and you realize oh it worked out a lot better this way because now I know this that or the other thing that makes this a whole lot easier, you know, that sort of thing. And, um, and that's kind of where I find myself in, you know, more often than not, I'm like, I want to be at this point, I want to be doing this now. And then I realize, Oh, well, I have to learn how to do this or handle that circumstance before, you know, that sort of thing. And, and so that's, that's kind of the big way I identify with Luke in Empire Strikes Back is the the Im- impatience to to want to be able to be everything that you know you're supposed to be right now when some of that stuff just takes time and that's also where the perseverance comes in. Uh now my favorite moment in this movie has maybe a little bit to do with that but is more influenced by my uh continued exposure to one Carl Leclerc. Um hey, that's me. <laughs> Oh yeah, that's right. It's you. Um, <laughs> and and this is the the scene of Yoda lifting the X-wing out of the swamp. So good. It's perfect and beautiful and poignant and awe-inspiring and just magical. Uh, and it really captures the sense of of wonder and mystery and majesty of the Jedi and the Force and this whole aspect of Star Wars that 
we're only really first exploring an empire. We, we kind of get the, the crash course of what it kind of is in A New Hope, but we're delving deeper now in empire. And it's just beautiful. The music is terrific. Again, um, like I said, you're going to find I connect the music very much in my favorite scenes. So <laughs> because every time I hear it, I'm like, ah, this is the scene, you know. But yeah, it's just so perfect. You know, and for someone who hates the planet of Dagobah itself. Oh, oh, Jason, I love Dagobah. It's a swamp. It's disgusting. (laughs) I understand why it's there for the story, (laughs) but like I will never visit Dagobah if I could (laughs) if I could help it. It's a it's a disgusting putrid swamp. This, however, is amazing. The X-Wing lifts out of the water and floats towards shore. Yeah. Also, so cool that we get the same musical cue as Luke raises the X-Wing on Octo in episode 9. Yes. Is why you fail. We're a little early on that. We are, but that's okay. <laughs> that's um, my personal story, though, with this honestly also goes back to Dagobah and Yoda. Um, and I will never forget watching this movie for the first time in the theater being absolutely freaked out by Yoda. <laughs> like, he, I, I wasn't, like, terrified, but I was just like, this guy's crazy. He's just I don't know what I don't know what to do with him. He's weird. He's nuts. This is a gross, scary planet. Why is Luke here? What is this thing? And I kept leaning over to my mom and asking, "What's going to happen? What's going to happen? What's going to happen?" She's like, "Just watch and find out." Uh, it's it's one of the most memorable moments I have from my early Star Wars fandom, and. Uh, Obviously, I you know figured out the Yoda, who Yoda was and why he was there and why he was acting like that. But first time I watched the movie, freaked me out. He just said everything on its ear, and I was like, I don't know what this is. Why is this like this? And why are we here? <laughs> so you know, <laughs> and it just kind of was unsettling the entire thing. And I I didn't like it at first, but anyway, um, yeah. So there you go, Empire number seven. We're at number six. This is our last one for the night, Carl. Um, it's so interesting. Number six for me is also Empire Strikes Back. I don't believe you. Good, you shouldn't. Um, I was like, <laughs> I was like, I, hold on. I, I shook my head in disbelief, and then I was then my brain <laughs> caught up with reality, and I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> um, it is a middle act movie, though. So for me, my number six is Attack of the Clones. Um. So Attack of the Clones is a movie that has grown on me so much over the years. It's like a fine wine or something, I guess. You're welcome. Um, yeah, no, yeah. I, you know, your love for this has definitely been infectious. Um, and I absolutely loved sitting down and watching this movie with you when we were in San Francisco for the first time a couple of years ago. That was a blast. Um, <laughs> this, this movie's great. And, and 
you know, I understand that it's flawed. Every Star Wars movie is flawed, um, except yeah. The Empire Strikes Back because it's perfect. Um, but uh, every Star I Wars- try to come up with a reason to disagree with that statement, but it's very difficult to do so. <laughs> you know, I, well, <laughs> again, that's not the point of this, right? Like, we're not doing this right. to, to say we're right or others are wrong. Um, right. But I love all the Star Wars movies in part because they're flawed too, right? Like, I don't need a perfect movie to love it. Um, but uh, Attack of the Clones is, you know, it, for the longest time was my least favorite of the prequels. But, um, you know, I, I've come to prefer it to Revenge of the Sith uh, mainly because I do think it's just a, a stronger, consistent story. Um, Revenge of the Sith to me is like a great um, greatest hits album. Like there's so much good stuff. But um, as far as like straight listening experience, not my favorite. Attack of the Clones um, doesn't quite have some of the most like Attack of the Clones doesn't have as great of moments as Revenge of the Sith, but as a sit down listen experience, I just prefer it. Um, I find it to be a stronger, uh, consistent story for me. Um, so that being said, uh, one of the themes of Attack of the Clones that I really appreciate is the theme of being frustrated, frustration at not being what you're meant to be. Um, and I see that specifically in the character of Anakin. And also in the Jedi Order. Um, so Jedi Order on a grander scale, the Jedi by the end of this movie are frustrated by what is their role with this outbreak of war, right? Who are they supposed to be as this clone war breaks out? And they make the wrong choice. They choose yeah. to be generals and leaders in an army. In well, a war. you know, the choice isn't really even theirs at this point. They, the way that they're positioned, they kind of just have to do it. Otherwise, I don't think they do. They don't, and they choose wrong. And so I, I, I would contend against that. I, they don't have to make that choice. They make that choice freely, but they're wrong. <laughs> um, and, and, the, and I think that that's something that's explored very brilliantly in the Clone Wars series is, right, like so much of the galaxy comes to see the Jedi as failures because of the way they choose to get involved with the Clone Wars. And I think the galaxy's right. The Jedi were wrong. That's the very point that Luke makes in The Last Jedi, you know, this this – this concept of failure, the Jedi fail in the prequel trilogy. Um, yes, they were around for thousands of years and they made lots of great choices, but towards the end, they made a lot of bad choices. <laughs> um, and choosing to be in the Clone Wars is the the pinnacle of that. But also going in a more, you know, so that's the macrocosm. The microcosm of the story of Anakin is Anakin is also a very frustrated character throughout this movie. He's you know, for the past decade being trained by Obi-Wan, he's part of the Jedi Order with this full knowledge that he's the chosen one. Well, what does that mean? What's that supposed to, who's he supposed to be? He feels frustrated by, um, you know, the the constraints that have put on, been put on him by both Obi-Wan as well as the council. Um, so I think that's a very powerful theme. And I think that's a very good theme to have for a middle act movie. Right. Um, and, and it again, shows the genius of of George Lucas. Um, you know, the the first movie of this trilogy, right, the prequels is about going from the highest to the lowest. Phantom Menace is this beautiful, high golden age movie. Then we have this frustrated period and then we have the fall. Um, and this frustration is is such a, a key point to attack the clones. Um, and, and with that, once again, just like with the revenge of the Sith, the, the character I identify most with in the movie is Anakin. Um, as you know, I appreciate that story of someone who knows they're supposed to be something great, 
but doesn't feel that he's being anything particularly great. And he's frustrated by this dogmatic institution that is putting all of these blocks on him that are that are kind of preventing him from living into his fullest self. Um, is Anakin um, arrogant? Yes. Is Anakin imperfect? Definitely. Is Anakin have a temper? For sure. But does a lot of that stem from the impositions placed upon him by the dogmatic Jedi? Hell yeah. <laughs> so um, part of the reason Anakin falls, yes, he makes the choice, but he's pushed in in a lot of ways. He's pushed towards that choice by an un a discompassionate. That's not a word probably either, but a discompassionate. Okay. Jedi Council. Um, so, you know, I get that. I get that feeling of, man, I feel like I'm. I meant to do something great in this this calling of mine, and yet the powers that be are saying, nope, nope, nope. Imposition, imposition, imposition. So I get that feeling of wanting to break free um, that Anakin has. You know, in some ways, a lot of ways, I'm really ahead of him. I'm ready to take the trials, but he thinks I'm too unpredictable. <laughs> Must be frustrating. It's worse. <laughs> He's overly critical. He, he never listens. He doesn't understand. <laughs> Sorry. It's not fair. <laughs> Great moment. But All our mentors... Yeah, never, yeah. Never mind. I'll let you finish. Right. So. But that's not my favorite moment. But it, but it's no. but it's a great moment that highlights that frustration for Anakin. Yeah. Um but uh but for me, and this will come for no surprises you, Jason, as we've been doing this for over eight years, and anyone who's been listening for a while, but my favorite moment in Attack of the Clones is of course that powerful moment of Anakin's confession about the, the Tuscans. I I killed them. I killed them all. They're dead. Every single one of them. And not just the men, but the women and the children, too. They're like animals, and I slaughtered them like animals. I hate them. So, you know, I've kind of liked the scene for a long time, Jason. Yeah, you have. <laughs> there's, there's there's a good reason to. Yeah, it's – again, I think – that, and this is also to me one of those moments where Hayden really does a phenomenal job of acting. Um, he he yeah. really hits those those points of frustration, those points of hatred and anger very, very well in this character. And this is the, the first moment where he really lets that all out. Um, and uh, – you know, this is uh, – I mean I don't, I, I don't like what Anakin's confessing obviously. This is terrible. He just committed like a small act of genocide. One thing that I want to say and I don't think I've ever made this point while, while talking about this scene. I love that it's the Emperor's theme that's playing as he narrates and then it goes into Vader's. I think it's really poignant that John Williams chooses the Emperor's theme as he narrates because he's talking about doing something purely out of hate and anger. That's the Emperor's influence. That's Palpatine's influence in his life, right? That makes him think that the, that acting out of revenge is okay, right? Um, mm -hmm. You almost can you can feel Sheev's fingers in that moment, <laughs> and and I just think that it's it's really really brilliant that John Williams chooses 
the the emperor theme to narrate the scene. Um, and again, yes, it collapses then as Anakin collapses onto the floor into Vader's theme. It's it's what he's doomed to become. But why is he doomed to become that? Because of the influence of Palpatine. Um, that is going to, and as we learn in the very opening of the next movie, seems to be okay with him doing that. Remember what you told me about your mother and the sand people? Hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. You only wanted revenge, uh, with the wonderful is, little sound cue by Ben Burt of the Tuscan Raider yes. with the explosion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, I mean, I, I just think that that's a it's a very brilliant scene of showing how. Anakin's frustration is going to manifest itself without a proper outlet, without a proper way of dealing with these frustrations. And right, this is this is why we need friends that we can be totally vulnerable with. Um, and Anakin's not there with Obi Wan. He kind of confesses this to Padme here. She gives some really bad advice, in my opinion. But um, but. Uh, you know, to be angry is to be human. Well, to commit genocide is not to be human. <laughs> so, but be that as it may, she's trying to at least meet him where he is. Um, yeah. And, you know, I think that this this particular scene boils up to – I mean this is the worst thing that Anakin does in this movie. And it's obviously a, a, a foreshadowing of what he's going to become when that frustration is unchecked and, and not dealt with, if you will. Um. You know, he's got some work to do and he's not doing it the right way. He's working this out in a very, very, very bad way. So, yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, I, I, I love Attack of the Clones. It's I, I have such a good time watching this movie. It, it, so. It's a it's a fun one. It's yeah. a fun one. Um, but uh, that's not my number seven. I, I a six. No. Or six. Yeah. Yes. It's not my number six. Sorry. Yeah. No. That's okay. It's, it's what is your definitely number six? Not. Uh, my number six is going to be uh, Revenge of the Sith. Nice. Um, so uh, the theme that I picked out from this, and this is probably the most detailed theme that I've written down, um, is where there is no trust, there is no foundation. Um, mm. And we see that specifically uh, with Anakin uh, in terms of all of his relationships in this movie except to Palpatine. Mm-hmm. He doesn't – you know, let in Padme or Obi-Wan and therefore does not trust them when things start going bad. Um, he, he loses, he undercuts his own foundation with the people closest to him and the institution that is supposed that he's supposed to be a part of, uh, the Jedi order. He, because he doesn't trust them because he feels like they don't trust him. And, uh, whether he's right in that or not is immaterial it fosters this this feeling of a lack of trust that Palpatine then completely exploits. And then, in light of the Clone Wars, we can also see that that lack of trust has permeated itself into the Republic as a whole with the people of the Republic and in terms of the Jedi Order and the people of the Republic. Mm. Because when Palpatine just says... You know, the Jedi Order had a coup. They tried to take me out. So we're going to ditch this whole Republic thing and have an empire, and I'm going to be your emperor. It kind of all just goes over without so much of a sneer. You know, everything's set up so that, you know, he's the one that's trusted, but not the institutions around it. And that's sort of the macro 
you know, backdrop um, that that we're really able to see in light of the Clone Wars. Um, but like I said, the, the personal part of all this is done with Anakin. And the only person Anakin trusts really is himself. But Palpatine has wormed his thoughts and words and lures into that frame of mind for Anakin so that when Anakin has a problem, he turns to Palpatine first and then feels like he's obligated to stick it through with the Emperor. Um, and and that's just a, a horribly tragic theme and lesson to have to learn uh, because of the, the consequences it ends up having in this movie. Um, now, the weird thing about this movie is as much as I enjoy it, and I definitely do enjoy it, I enjoy this from almost a macro perspective more than a personal perspective. And that meaning that I don't really have that many characters that I relate to specifically in this movie because it's, it's the movie of extremes where everything goes bad. Um, and so I, I don't generally connect very personally mm. with some of the characters in here, but the one that I, I was thinking about this today and the one that I'm, I wrote down is actually Bail Organa. Oh, here's why. Uh, because through all of this chaos, he's still trying to do the right thing the right way. And then when things go pear-shaped, he's like, all right. Pear-shaped. Yes. <laughs> oh, my God. You're such a dweeb. I love it. <laughs> uh, thank you. Um, I'm throwing – I don't want to keep repeating phrases, so I, I throw in no, new I, ones. Yeah, I love uh, it. It's good. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> he still gives off the appearance of following the rule of law and all this stuff. But then he goes out and he hunts down Yoda and Obi-Wan and is like, all right, what are we doing next? And he instantly starts the rebellion, you know, and, and that's sort of like the, that dedication to, um, a, a, a higher cause, a higher principle is something that I really aspire to. Mm. Um, and so, and he's, you know, he's one of the minor characters in the movie, so it's not like he's super involved with the plot, but he's a key point because he gets, you know, some very important moments. So I, I think that that's the character in Revenge of the Sith. I connect with, you know, uh, mostly, you know, um, in this movie, because like I said, I enjoy this movie more from a macro perspective than a micro perspective, because this is not a movie that you enjoy for the content you enjoy for how it completes a story. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Cause it's a devastating movie. It is all the good guys die or turn evil. Um, and it's just, it's just tragic and heartbreaking. Um, and you can appreciate things for that, but it's, it's something that's very difficult to enjoy. Um, when everyone's dying. But that's a side tangent. Uh, my favorite moment of this movie, though, is uh, the Yoda-Palpatine duel. Um, and in particular, the moment where they are, you know, in the, the 
preparation office and they start rising up into the Senate. Mm-hmm. Um, that shot and the music playing and the fact that it's good versus it. And it, it, it goes the whole macro thing as to why I like this story because it, it's, it literally is sitting there as a picture of you know Jedi versus Sith, good versus evil, all sort of boiled down to two people yeah. um, there in the Senate in an empty Senate building. Um, as democracy crumbles around them, you know, and it, it's just uh, a very poignant and uh, visually artistic and uh, very what's the word I'm looking for? I don't know. It's very deliberate by mm-hmm. George Lucas to have all of that in there. Um, George Lucas tells a lot with visuals in this movie um, and 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 says a lot of things with with the visuals he presents um and it's very artistic in that sense um which i appreciate and that's sort of the highlight of all that for me so that's my favorite moment favorite uh the the story that i have to goes along with this is also a lot of these are heading back to like kind of first times i saw the movies um i had uh the this came out like the day after my birthday uh in 2005 my birthday is may 14th this came out i think it was may 15th if i remember correctly so like the day or two after my birthday i don't remember the specific date but um i had a couple friends over for a sleepover party um and we were going to go see the movie the next day for my birthday because you know it's star wars and that's me at that age and (laughs) it's the last one right um and so the night before we watched attack of the clones to get ready for it and then we decided to watch the uh complete getty tartakovsky clone wars series um so because they'd come out on on dvd the second season come out on dvd like shortly before that um and so we watched all of that right after attack of the clones um, in order to get ready to go see the movie. And, and we talked about all the stuff and, and, you know, discussed it late into the night, uh, before going in to see the movie, you know, the late the next morning. Um, and it was just a really fun experience and uh, a really great way to go see the movie for me. So I thoroughly enjoyed myself. And, uh, the last time I went to go see the movie, I went with, with one of my other, uh, Star Wars buddies at the time, and it was late in the run, and we thought we might be the only ones in the theater. So we were making plans because we were sitting. It was like a a big a big theater with like different like two different sections with a, a you know walkway between them, um, leading up towards the the back section, and we were first row in the second section, so we had you know plenty of leg room we started discussing the fact that we were going to, you know, reenact some of the scenes and, you know, duels as the movie was going. But then like, right as the previews started, people started walking in and we didn't do it. We didn't have the theater to ourselves. <laughs> I was very disappointed. Um, but yeah, yeah. So we were the only ones in the theater at the time. Uh, and then the preview started and like two other couples and a trio walked in and I was like, we just sort of looked at each other and, pouted for a minute um (laughs) but yeah so there there you go that's that's my my story for revenge of the sith love it love it uh 
Oh man! Well, there you go. We've we've just revisited our our numbers ten through six Star Wars films. Do you want me to give my honorable mentions? Yeah, since you my, kind of yeah. yours. Yep. Since I mentioned mine, what's yours? Okay, my honorable mention right now is the Rise of Skywalker. Okay. Um, and honestly, I think a lot of it is just because it's still so new. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, as you've heard on you know previous episodes, there's a lot of stuff I like about the movie, yeah. but. It's just still so new to me, and I'm still working it into the rest of the story as a whole. Um, and so that's why it's still in the bottom. So the bottom of the list, which is a very high list to begin with. Yeah, no, for sure. I, I actually really commend you on putting it there at this early stage because it gives you more time to really digest it, right? Um, yeah. So obviously it's not been on my list yet, so that means it's in my top five. Um, yeah. So I'll talk I, more about it next week. And and again, like that could that could change over time. Um, you know, Force Awakens within the first few months was definitely in my top five, and now it's you know now it's my honorable mention at number eleven. Um, but as of right now, I I love Rise of Skywalker, but we'll see what happens as as time goes on. Um, and and right. what I say is like that makes it sound like oh I may not like it anymore, but right like I'll still love it. It just may change where it where it ranks. Um. Yeah. But I'm excited to talk about our top five next week. So, yes. And as I said, said, I really encourage all of you to, you know, because I think whenever a new Star Wars movie comes out, it's just a fun activity as a Star Wars fan to just rethink how you rank them. It's not about, you know, proving you're right or trying to say, like, this is the list. And if you disagree, you're wrong. I mean, I can't stand that sentiment. And to be fair, I, I posted my ranking on my personal Facebook when I like spent some time thinking about it and I did have some annoying people that are like, this is just wrong. Or like, I don't like this. It's like, I don't care. Like it doesn't put up your rank. I don't care. Like this is, this is my list, not yours. (laughs) Star Wars is art and therefore subjective. So Uh, yeah. Um, Uh, yeah. You know, like, I mean, I, I, there are a lot of people that still just like, I can't believe you have the prequels anywhere on this. It's like, I love the prequels. Like that's fine that you don't, but I do. (laughs) I think they're fantastic. Um, so that being said, like, as you think about revisiting maybe how you rank them, um, have fun with it and think about these questions we asked just again to like focus in on, you know, as you put that rank together, then revisit and think about, you know, what are the, what is, what is the theme you really like from each movie? What is a character you identify? What's a moment you really love? And, and, you know, think about those personal stories that make that endear you to each of these movies. Even if they're the movies that are lower on your list, there's still something that endears you to each of them as a star Wars fan. Um, and have fun with that. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And, uh, that being said that, that in, it invites us into our poll for next week's episode. Yes. Uh, our poll, ladies and gentlemen, uh, because we'll be getting to answer this next week. We want to know what is your favorite star Wars movie? Yes. I know that's a big ask for some people and it's a terrible thing for me to have to make a, a list ranking all of these. I, it's, it's very difficult for me and I, I generally shy away from making lists, but we decided to talk about it and Carl talked me into it by, you know, with all the, the discussion points that we were going to have on these. So I was like, okay, I can, I can <laughs> live with that. But, um, we want to know what is your favorite Star Wars movie? Um, and you can use whatever criteria you want to label it as your favorite. Um, you know, as Carl said, his favorite is the ones that he, you know, in many cases, the one he watches the most. What does he watch a lot of? You know, it might be the way it makes you feel. It might be connected to a memory that you have, an experience that you had, you know, whatever, whatever's most important to you, you know, what's your favorite? Um, So 
we want to know. Yes, we because do. we're going to talk about ours next week. So we want you guys to be included on that as well. Right. So, and um, so Carl, if people yes. want to weigh in on well, the matchup, yeah, or the the poll, or if they want to send in their uh, responses and their thoughts on the rise of Skywalker, where can people do that, sir? Well, as as, as I share that information, I'm going to put on in the background the uh, Grammy. Um, the one the, the piece of music that just won a Grammy for John Williams, which is this incredible Galaxy's Edge symphonic suite. Um, he just won a Grammy award. I can't remember what the specific category was. I think it was like original piece of music. But John Williams just won a Grammy for this piece of music. So I'm going to put that on to, to take us out for this episode. But just want to acknowledge again the brilliance of the maestro John Williams. Um, but as always, um, you are all welcome to send in those thoughts on Twitter. We are at Wampas Lair. You can also find us on Facebook at Wampas Lair Podcast. And as always, especially with your um, Rise of Skywalker uh, feedback, be sure to email us at Wampas Lair Podcast at gmail.com. And just as we start to pull out of the sh- episode here, just a reminder that Katie is still on her leave of absence Um, She's going to let us know when she feels like coming back onto the show. Again, we continue to love and support Katie and her time away as she just deals with life and and the craziness of being a new homeowner and all those things. So, of course, we continue to love and support Katie and miss her dearly on the show. Um, But, yes, we look forward to hearing from all of you and what your favorite movie is in the Star Wars franchise next week. Yes. Um, And congratulations to John Williams for his record-breaking nomination he now has the most grammy award nominations in history and congratulations on that win um well deserved sir well deserved that being said carl anything else you got to say before we close this down i am all set my friend all right well thank you Thank you everyone so much for listening to this episode of the wampas lair podcast this is episode number 368 saving what we love part one for carl and katie who's on hiatus i'm jason and we will see you next time here in the wampas lair <laughs> <laughs>